This podcast episode was recorded live at the 2022 ASCO Annual Meeting in Chicago by Oncology Data Advisor and Convey Med. Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith. Today I'm here at the ASCO Annual Meeting in Chicago, speaking with Megan Claire Chase of Share Cancer Support. Megan Claire, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, would you like to tell us a little bit about your story? Yes. So um, my story begins like this. I always knew I would get cancer. And that's not because I'm a pessimist. It is because my mother had ovarian cancer when she was pregnant with me during the third month. That's when they discovered it. And so my parents were like, what do we do? But then we they had an experimental drug that was given to them. Unfortunately, I cannot remember the name. They can't either, but that's really what saved both of us. So growing up, I had a lot of health issues. I was premature. So I always thought I would get ovarian or cervical cancer, but instead it somehow mutated into breast. And I had a difficult time being heard. I was dismissed a lot because I am a black woman and also I was under 40 and I had strange symptoms that I knew were not right. My hair, which used to be bone straight into my shoulders, started falling out on the left side. And I'm like, what is happening? Even my stylist was like, are you missing a nutrient? And then I started getting tiny green bruises on my lower left leg. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's leukemia. But then I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm right-handed, right dominant. You know, all of these things were going in my head. I was like, something's not right. And then I got what I was told by a dermatologist was a zit on the outside of my left breast. And I'm like, I've never had that before. Are you sure that's a zit? She's like, yeah, here's some cream. It'll go away in three days. And it went away in three days. And it, there was no pain. And I also gained a bunch of weight. I used to be fit, okay? I grew up dancing. I was a cheerleader in the college days. And all of a sudden, I'm heavy. And none of the doctors, I realized, ever said, is this normal for you? Like, not one ever asked that. And then one day, and I just kept going to the doctor. This is over a two-year period, by the way. And then I got a bruise that was in a circular shape on the back of my left arm. And by this point, my primary was like, okay, obviously something's going on. I'm like, yeah, think. But no one really knew because I kept doing blood tests. No one thought to do a mammogram because I was able to get a preventative one at 35 because of the ovarian cancer history. But they were like, it's clear, come back when you're 40. I was like, great, peace out. Then it wasn't until... I was in the shower. I remember this distinctly because I was watching Supergirl and I could hear that in the background, okay? And because of the weight gain, my breasts got really big, so I was always feeling them. I'm like, what is this? And then out of nowhere was this huge thickness. It was as hard as a rock and it was huge. And it came out of nowhere. And I was like, what is this? And I remember calling the next day to my primary and they were like, yeah, we can't get you in, you know, for another two weeks. And I could just hear my Nana, who was a registered nurse. She was already passed away. She was like, this is your time to get pushy. And I got pushy and I was like, I need to talk to someone right now. And I did. And the PA was like, let me, you know, find your primary. I get a call. My primary is like, okay, I've written an order for a diagnostic mammogram. I'm like, what? Wait, what is that? What? So everything moved really quickly. Now, when I went and got my, what is it, the biopsy or the ultrasound, like I knew it was a mass. I was like, that sucker's too big to be like some lump. It's like I wasn't surprised by that. But during the biopsy, 
And I distinctly remember this date because it was on a Friday and I purposely wanted something on a Friday afternoon. So it was 9-11, 2015. So I was like, that's why that is ingrained in my brain. And she told me she was only going to take like eight to 10 tissue samples. And she took like 20 and I could just, I knew, I just knew something was wrong, but I never thought breast. I don't know. So at the time I was working in radio and so I'm highly aware of the time. So I'm always looking at the time because I was listening to a commercial and I was timing it. And now I had that biopsy on Friday. Well, they told me I wouldn't hear anything probably until like Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'm literally not thinking anything on a Monday at 3.05 p.m. And I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so you might hear a little accent going. And I, I almost didn't answer the phone because, you know, you're like, strangers calling me, I'm not going to answer it. But my gut said, answer the phone. And so that's why I remember the time so well. And I heard the doctor and I was like, wait, I'm a little dramatic. And I was like, let me run to a conference room. And that is when I could run. And she goes, you have invasive lobular breast cancer. And I was like, wait, what? And then I started to get hysterical. And then she just snapped me out of it by saying, I need you to go get a pen and paper and take down some information right now. And that just like snapped me back. So I go running back because again, I'm dramatic. And they're all like, MC, which is one of my nicknames. They're like, MC, what are you doing? And I was like, no, no, no. And I ran back and she gave, she had already spoken with my primary. They had like a list of oncologists, breast cancer surgeon, plastic surgeon. And I'm like, what do I need a plastic surgeon for? Like nothing was processing. Mm-hmm. So I immediately call my mother. My mother's like, can you call and make these appointments? So I get diagnosed on a Monday. I am meeting with my new oncologist on a Tuesday, my breast cancer surgeon on a Wednesday, my plastic surgeon on a Thursday. I was just like, this is all happening really fast. So then we fast forward to 16 rounds of chemo, we fast forward to one blood transfusion, which believe it or not, I was really stoked about the blood transfusion because for some reason I always thought I had O and I was like, oh, I am B positive. I'm special. I get special blood. And then I look like Bella from Twilight because I was like, whoa, my eyes are red. So I had to have some fun, how to keep your sense of humor. But then I had um, my surgeries and I went with a lumpectomy. And I've been surgery shamed in the breast cancer community for just getting a lumpectomy and also by people outside of cancer land saying that too. And I'm just like, okay, you do know that a lumpectomy with radiation is the equivalent of a mastectomy. And again, it's a private personal choice. And so by that point, um, I had 33 radiation treatments. And let me just tell you this, any doctor that tells you, oh, I've seen worse. My flesh burned off. Like I now know what a burn victim feels like. And it actually burned up the side of my neck, through my back. And I'm like crying. I'm screaming. I'm like, oh my God, my flesh burned off. Oh, I've seen worse. And I said, well, you know what? I haven't. So this is a problem. Um, I'm really still traumatized by that. So I have scars, like burned scars. And I made it through that. And I really thought that survivorship would be different because all you ever see are the smiling faces, people high-fiving, wearing pink tutus. Now, keep in mind, I had pink tutus and butterfly wings and TRs before all this breast cancer nonsense. So I was just like, I thought that's what I was going to expect. And I remember my oncologist said, you know, you might feel a little depression after this because you won't be seeing the doctors as much. A little depression. We don't talk about mental health side. We don't talk about the grief. I lost my fertility. So so much was happening. I lost my career. And 
I realized no one's talking about this. And I'm a talker, obviously. So I realized, hmm, I can't verbalize this. So I'm going to start writing. So I started writing my blog, Life on the Cancer Train. And it really just helped me to keep my mental health in check. And I was just hoping maybe two other people would read it, you know, not just my besties. And it really took off because I don't just write about the happiness. And yes, do I have some happiness and amazing things like sitting here with you is happening, but I'm also highly aware of, we don't talk about the rage. We don't talk about the loss on so many levels, loss of body parts, loss of career, loss of feeling sexy even, you know? And I started writing about that in a really raw and authentic way with my humor. And it seems to really resonate with not just women, but men as well, and trans and non-binary. Like, it's just been really lovely to see that connection because it might be different cancers, but we all have some similar, you know, things that happen throughout the cancer path. But here I am now at my first ASCO. What? So I really decided to make the change and do more advocacy work. So after I left the TV and radio space, I went into marketing, but I was doing so much volunteer advocacy stuff. And I started making a name for myself through my writing. And I was like, imagine what I could do if I could work in the cancer space full time. And lo and behold, here I am now at ASCO as the Rest Cancer Program Director at Share Cancer Support. Amazing. Such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, so tell us more about Share Cancer Support. What, what, what work do you do? So it's been really exciting. They are based in New York City. I'm a, the lone Georgia girl. I'm in Atlanta, so I work remotely. But we have educational and support services for all of the female cancers. So that is breast cancer, early stage metastatic breast cancer, uterine, cervical, and ovarian. And we also have what is called Latin Share for the Hispanic and Latin community. We also have Japanese Share that has been around for a few years, and we are starting a Chinese Share as well. And what's great about Share Cancer Support is there's a lot of you know, boots on the ground work. So we have ambassadors in the Black community and the Hispanic and Latin community that go out to food pantries, that go out to health fairs to really try and reach those historically excluded communities to say, hey, we hope that you get your screening. Here is the right information and why you should do it and why you should, you know, stay on top of it. Because of course, especially in the breast cancer space, the Black community were really hit very hard. Though I did not have triple negative breast cancer, that is what is prevalent in the Black community. And so we need more people to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And also we need men to be aware of it too, because A, men can get breast cancer too. And also you do know someone, you know a woman at one point or another, either you or someone else you know is going to be touched by one of these cancers eventually. So we work really hard on educating and having the current information, the latest research. And then they bring me on board. And I'm going to shake things up a little bit because I'm a little dramatic, but I want to incorporate different segments because not everyone is ready to hear research and understanding, you know, mutations. So it's like, I want to break it down a little bit and have, you know, do things on some different platforms where we're really talking with the communities and not at 
the communities. So I really just love that we work hard on that education piece, but also excited to have share cancer support say, you know what, Megan Claire, shake it up. Like try some new stuff. We want to see, you know, what can happen and being given that support. So even though I'm remote, I feel like I'm so part of the team. And one of the things that we are discussing here at ASCO, and this is a big deal, y'all. Okay, we have a health disparities conference. It's virtual June 24th. And our keynote speaker is none other than Stacey Abrams, who is running for governor of Georgia. And guess who my CEO asked me yesterday? She goes, you know, I want to ask you something. I need you to do something. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do I have to go to a dinner by myself? Like, what's happening? And she goes, we would like you to introduce Stacey Abrams. And I said, what? (gasps) Oh my God. So I'm just beyond stoked. But more importantly, we all know that health disparities is a problem, right? All... But we're not just going to keep talking and talking about it. We are going to have some action to make some impact because we're going to be broken out by the different races to talk about like where we're seeing the holes and then all come together and talk and say, okay, here's where I think we can make some really impactful steps and move forward. So I'm pleased as punch to just be here at ASCO. I'm pleased as punch about this conference that we're having and that I'm going to be introducing Stacey Abrams from my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. That's so exciting. It sounds like such a wonderful organization doing a lot of really great work. (laughs) (laughs) It is. So I guess my last question would be, if there was one thing that you would hope that attendees here at ASCO would know about breast cancer from a patient perspective, what would it be? That the journey is never over. What's been really exciting is to be able to talk as not only you know, a professional in the space, but also from the patient lens and saying how important our patient voice is. And I've been able to connect with a lot of doctors and researchers and medical students, even. And I'm saying, make sure that you see us and make sure that you understand that just because we enter the survivorship stage does not mean it is over. So believe us when we tell you that we are in pain or we're having rare side effects. Really listen to us because we need help to keep us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of this and congratulations on being at your first ASCO. It's very exciting. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this podcast recorded live at the 2022 ASCO annual meeting by Oncology Data Advisor and Convey Med. For more expert perspectives on the latest in cancer research and treatment, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at conveymed.io and oncdata.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media for news, exclusive interviews, and more.